following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We're starting a new sermon series this morning, and uh, I have the privilege of kicking it off, which is always a joy, because I get to beat Pastor Renee to my favorite topic before she preaches it. And we are, Renee, uh, actually this title came out of a prayer time that Renee was having, or at the end of a prayer time, he all of a sudden just dropped this phrase into her, I am certain. And uh, we want to spend, we don't know how long yet, I, I think it'll be more than a month, but we'll see, but we just want to talk about some of the things that we are certain of, core, more than core values, foundational truths that are immovable. And it's good to know that the things that we are certain of come out of a certainty of the I am. In other words, we have an I am certainty. In the same way that, behold, I am doing a new thing. You remember that when uh, Moses was at the burning bush and he gets his marching orders and he says, <laughs> yeah, right. Who should I tell him sent me? And all of God said is, he said, just tell him I am. Finish the sentence. I am, come on. No, I am who I am. And so these certainties that we're talking about are I am certainties. They are certainties that come out of the Word of God, of course, but in particular in the subject for today, it comes out of my, the crucible of my life. And the focus for today is the goodness of God. I am certain God is good. And I want to talk around that theme. And I am certain that God is good no matter what is going on in my personal life. God is good. And He am being Him. And I am certain because I am is behind my certainty. Amen? So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles. It's probably a pretty familiar portion of Scripture for most of us. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16 through verse 22. It's an encounter that is <clears throat> recorded in three of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher... What good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said, so he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. But if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. 
and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's interesting to me that Jesus would say, don't call me good. It's basically what he was saying. He was saying, why did you just call me good? And he goes on to say, there is only one good, and that is God. Now, the word good in that original language is agathos, and it means well, pleasant, upright, honorable, excellent, and we probably could go on and on. It does mean good in the sense that we understand as something as being good. But what I believe we must understand is that what Jesus was saying, you and I can do good, we can even be good, but we are not good. By that I mean our nature is not good. The very na- God does good, not by discretion. God is good. He is goodness. And it is His nature. He can't help but be good. He can't help but do good because it is His nature. And the reality is that He is the only one, and this is what Jesus is saying, He is the only one that is good. Now, we know that Jesus Christ had not yet gone to the cross. He had not yet taken His seat at the right hand of the Father. Um, He was man, and He was God, and He was on His way to becoming um, the good that His Father is. And we know that He did good. How many of you in this room have ever done something good? Well, I hope so. The Bible tells us that we are created for good works. That He's created good works for us to walk in beforehand. So the reality is, he's, but He's calling into question your goodness and my goodness. So when we're talking about God is good, we're talking about a personality. We're talking about a character trait who, of God, who God is, not just something He does. It is His personality. The Bible tells us that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And that does not mean that uh, the person that is following us is named Shirley. What it means is certainly, certainly, I am certain goodness and mercy will follow me. And that word follow is not like walking behind someone. It is pursuing them. It is overtaking them. It is grabbing them. In fact, it's often used as a military term to pursue pursue an adversary. But in this sense, it is a picture of the goodness of God that chases you and I down. It's important that we know that we know that we know God is good. It's, a, it's got to be a foundational stone in our 
walk with God. To know that He is good. All the time. Psalms 34, 8 challenges us, taste and see that God is good. And the reality is that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God. The only reason you're sitting here, if you're here this morning sitting here and saved, you are here by the goodness of God. And by that, I don't just mean that he made a way for you. He actually brought you to a place of seeing and believing and understanding. And I realize we have a part in that. We have choices that we make. But the reality is it is the goodness of God that works. How many of you grew up in the time and season of the church of fire and brimstone preaching? Where you got the hell scared out of you. That was the goodness of God. And apparently that's just what you needed because it got you here. And others of us uh, were overwhelmed by the gentleness and the goodness of God. It doesn't matter how, what, how the goodness of God is expressed, but the reality is that it leads us. His goodness actually leads us to himself. You and I can do good works, but the Apostle Paul said it this way, in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. And we need to know that. We need to know every ounce of goodness that we have within us is because of the goodness of God himself working in us. I've taught many times here and I'll teach it again. Till I go to the grave. The fruit of the Spirit is not about you. It's all about God. It's a capital S. And so many times we beat ourselves up because we're not loving enough or kind enough or gentle enough or patient enough or, or self-controlled enough or whatever it is. And so we try to produce something rather than just possess what already exists. This is what the Apostle Paul said for, concerning Israel. He said, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about to establish a righteousness which is of themselves. You and I are not good apart from God. And we need to know that. Well, Pastor Bob, haven't you taught us that we are the righteousness of God? Yes, I have, but finish the sentence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He makes me good. He even can make me look good. Isn't that amazing? I remember after I got, first got saved, my countenance changed, and people remarked on it. It's like, you're different. What was different? I wasn't so hard. And I know that's true for many of you as well. So the reality is um, what we do give ourselves to is good works. 
We do give ourselves, and it's not that it earns us anything. It is the overflow of the goodness of God in our lives that causes us to just want to give His goodness away. I am well aware that here this morning there are no doubt people who are in a position in their life and a time where it is hard to uh, perceive or to see the goodness of God. Many of you know that four years ago I lost my wife to cancer. Pastor Renee lost her mother. And in that time, and for those of you who, who were here, you saw that she walked and we walked in uh, joy. And the reason that we could walk in joy is because of the goodness, a confidence in the goodness of God. I can't, I can't tell you the number of encounters she had with God during her journey. And I can stand here today and I can tell you we as a family saw the goodness of God. But here's the deal. I appreciated what uh, uh, Bill Johnson out of Bethel Church in Reading said when, just recently when his wife died of cancer. He said this, God is not a vending machine where we just put in and Pick what we want. This is not a vending machine. One of the dangers is that we, we wait to define God's goodness based on if He performs the way we think He should perform. And if He doesn't perform the way we think He should perform, then He must not be good. And that is a lie. We must never measure the goodness of God by uh, what is going on in our lives. It's a trap. We cannot, I wrote this this morning, we cannot measure the eternal goodness of God by the temporal difficulties of this life. It's no indicator. So if you are here this morning and you are in a difficult place, please understand that we don't want to... Uh, we do want to validate that. There is the reality that we go through difficult times. Jesus said we would. But what do we do with them? And one thing that we do is we never lose sight of the goodness of God. Can you put that scripture up, Mandy, out of Romans? Everyone say, we know. What that really means is we are certain. Remember, we're talking about things that we're certain of. We are certain. We know that all things, everyone say all things. We know, we are certain that all things work together for good 
to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. If you're here this morning and um, things are not the way you'd like them to be, can I just say to you, understand this, the final chapter is not written yet. Be, have confidence in the working of God. Have a confidence that He is working things together for good. We can't talk about the goodness of God without understanding the sovereignty of God. The Bible carries with it, I, depending on who you ask, many, 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 many promises. Only a sovereign God could make those promises. I can make promises to my kids, even in my limited sovereignty as a human being, as a father, because I knew my intent, I knew my sovereignty, I knew my ability to bring it to pass. When I promised my son uh, a twenty-two rifle when he turned 12, and I gave it to him before then because I couldn't wait. That's the nature of our Father. But I could promise it because I knew I could pull that off by the grace of God. And, and so it is with our God. And He makes promises because He has the ability to pull it off. But here's the challenge. We sometimes don't like the way He exercises His working. We sometimes don't like the way He brings His goodness. And we want to define it and prescribe for ourselves what it looks like. And as soon as that happens, we become God and He ceases to be. Or maybe a better way to say it is He ceases to be Lord and we become Lord. And, and, and we can say, well, all right, but I am going to stand on the promise of God. And that's wonderful. I encourage you to do that. Just make sure you're standing on the right promise. Make sure you're standing on the promise that He intends to fill. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear the Father saying, and it's in, it's in present tense. It's not I saw, it is I see right now. And many times we do things based uh, upon what we feel we should do rather than actually checking with Father and see what He's doing. I personally don't recommend raising anyone from the dead unless God tells you to. Really? Why would you? He's working all things together for good. 
to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to say something. <clears throat> you cannot sow wild oats and pray for a crop failure. We must be sure that our life lines up with the reality of those who are called according to his purpose. We must be, uh, by that I mean we must be about our Father's business. Our life must be expressions of love to God the Father. So I hear the question in the room. Does that mean I'm going through hard times because either I don't love God or I'm not called according to his purpose? No. Scripture tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you're going to have tri tribulation. The real thought there is the world's going to be a pressure cooker. How many of you know the world's a pressure cooker right now? One of the reasons we wanted to preach this series is because we are living in days of such uncertainty. And we want to establish what can we be certain of. We're living in days of misinformation, which is lies, which are sometimes in, uh, innocent. But we're also living in days of disinformation, which are lies that are very intentional and intend to deceive and lead astray. And it doesn't matter whether it's misinformation or misunderstanding. It doesn't matter whether it's disinformation or disunderstanding. The reality is that you and I need to have things that we can attach our hope to in this life. And with those things need to be rock solid true. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you can attach your hope, you can attach your faith to the goodness of God. He is good. Doesn't matter whether you feel it, He's good. Doesn't matter whether your surroundings right now look at like it, He is good. And if it isn't as good as it could be, it's only because He's working to make it gooder. But He's working all things together to make it gooder. One of the greatest joys of my life has been to discover over and over again that he's gooder than I thought he was. I want us to notice that our text this morning, in reality, is not about the goodness of God. I mean, that... that wasn't the purpose, that wasn't the man's question. He asked the question concerning eternal life. What must I do? How can I? Verse 16. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And we need to understand that there is no greater certainty than the goodness of God as it relates to an eternal destiny. That's what gave us as a family hope 
as Marcy was fighting her battle of faith. And we were fighting it with her. And many of you fought it with us. We had elders and wives come and pray at our home. We had prayed countless times here at the church. Many of you were praying. And we just need to understand that the outcome was eternal. And if she had a choice, she wouldn't come back. I know that. Many of, many either watching online or here this morning have lost someone to sickness or whatever. And it can call into question the goodness of God. And I want to encourage us that we must be careful what we attach our hope and our faith to. Do we attach our hope and our faith to the goodness of God or do we attach it to a desired outcome that we prescribe? We must put confidence in the goodness of God. He is good and he does good. And he is doing good. And he is working all things together for good. And the greatest demonstration of his goodness is the person of Jesus Christ, his son, who was the exact radiance of his father and went about doing good. And now is seated at the right hand of the Father and is a part of the Godhead that is good. Disappointments can rob us and blind us from the realities of a number of certainties that we're going to be talking about. And one of the reasons that we wanted to do this series was because we wanted to be able to know what are certain consistent things that we can attach our faith to, our hope to, because we know they are ultimate truth. A.W. Tozer said this, we must meet the uncertainties of this world with the certainties of the world to come. We must meet the uncertainties of this world with the certainties that are, that are in the world to come. This is not it. It's good for us to know that. A lot of the fear and, and stuff that people have entered into is because we tend to think this is it. This is not it. This is taking us there. This is him working within us. 
His nature, His person. We must meet the uncertainties of this world with the certainties of the world to come. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.